At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 13th, 2023 edition. And there's certainly a lot happening in financial markets, uh, a big, interesting weekend. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you have questions. And, you know, this was uh, a weekend, I, w- I don't want to say for the record books, because I think it's a bit overblown. There have certainly been much bigger calamities within the economy and the financial system before, uh, i.e. 08. Uh, and the Fed learned a lot. And uh, you know they reacted very similarly to what I was expecting. Uh, you know we had client calls of the weekend, and that was uh, really my sentiment. I said this isn't going to spread because the Fed isn't going to uh, allow it to, uh, and they do what they always do, which is backstop the whole system, and that's really what they are meant to do. And I think that's the biggest problem. Uh, with the Fed, though, is that they've gotten farther away from being the lender of last resort in situations like this and more kind of massaging the economy and trying to and trying to smooth out all economic cycles. And unfortunately, that creates bigger problems, right? Uh, and, and you're seeing that here. Now it's not a bigger problem that they can't solve in this particular situation. Well, what happens when they get to a point where they can't solve it? And I'm talking about at a sovereign level. That's something to really about worry about the most here. It's not the banking system. It's really about the sovereign debt level. I think we're some years away from that. But certainly, that's probably the biggest worry here that you should have your eye on. Always look at the bigger picture. Always try to understand where this is coming from, where, where situations like this are coming from. And what the next step is. I, I always say this, it's very important to, to really grasp and, and put yourself in other people's shoes and figure out what they have to do, not what they want to do. We all want to operate in this utopian world and you want to think that those that are in power have some altruistic nature to them and that they are going to do the right thing at every turn. And I think a lot of them do, what's probably more underrated, how many of them do. Uh, But ultimately, almost all of them do what they have to do. And in the Fed's case, this is what they had to do. Right? They had to fight inflation. So they had to raise rates to a certain degree. They went overboard, clearly, and now they're on the other side of it. Now they have other things that they have to do like backstop the banking system. So uh, very interesting weekend. A lot of narratives that I think were definitely off. And I don't think that uh, there was a much reason for concern of a, of a broad contagion. 
in and of itself because most of these banks are hedged and, and, and et cetera. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to dig into this during this hour. And I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on today's radio show and podcast to help you make the most of your strategies, try to avoid the pitfalls and take advantage of the opportunities. And this is going to bring some opportunities as well as shed light on some of the pitfalls within the market. So I'm here to give you my straight and unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. That's my number one goal on today's show. Now, my focus point looks into the question, what does the SVB crisis tell us about the Federal Reserve rate hikes? And we're going to look at that going forward. And I think there's an interesting little telltale sign about government policy in regards to crypto in this uh, this whole weekend. So we're going to look at that story, obviously. And then I have some other ones as well. We're going to look at the shale patch and how well they're doing when it comes to production. Also, liquidity within investments. Are, is, is, is liquidity underrated or overrated when in, investors are looking at buying uh, those type of companies or assets that have low liquidity? So we're going to look at that. And then lastly, new ESG rules coming down the pipe in the retirement space. So those things are on my mind. Ultimately, I want to hear from you. We're taking your live calls at 888-989-CHART. So we're also going to get to some voice bank questions. One is on Fed rates and the other is on Wesco International. All right. So that's where we're going to focus on today. And let's take a look at the market. Certainly a down day, but not nearly as bad as uh, one would have thought. You had the U.S. market broadly down about 0.3%. Small caps down 1.6%, really concentrated on those uh, th- those smaller banks, uh, even though none of them going under, but there's obviously a lot of short sellers really attacking uh, those particular names. So very interesting kind of uh, trend here uh, within markets, or at least one day, right? Um, I still think, I actually was looking for this in the first half of the year, that there would be some sort of catalyst for the Fed to pivot. And ultimately, this looks like it. <laughs> I can't imagine a a bigger reason for the Fed to pivot. So we'll see what that looks like coming up here uh, just in a couple weeks. Is it next week? Next week, week after, I'm trying to remember the Fed date, Fed meeting date, but I know it's uh, in the back half of this month. So that's going to be very interesting. Now let's pivot over to our first listener question now. Hi, Justin. I'm calling about multi-group, ticker symbol PHM. Back in September, somebody called about it and you mentioned that you did on the stock and it has done really well since then. Looking at it now and with the recent housing numbers, you still think it's a good buy? I think it's still five, so I think it is still a good value. You can let me know, please. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we're still uh, long Pulte. Obviously, it's not as quite as attractive up in the mid-50s as it was down in the mid-30s when we uh, picked it up. But, you know, we we still like the the home builders generally. Pulte is one of the largest in, in the in the country working across 42 different markets, across 24 different states. And a lot of people are going to say, well, the housing market's weak. Look at interest rates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what you don't realize is that have the, the, the inventory of existing homes is very low, very low. And so what you're seeing is the, the new home market is able to easily compete with the existing home market. Why is that? Very simple. Points. 
these home builders, they're buying points for their buyers. They can go to a buyer and they can say, we're going to give you, get you a 5% mortgage. Do you think John and Jane down the street that's selling their home is going to buy points for their buyer to get their mortgage rate down to 5%? Unlikely, right? So with the dearth of supply, although it's going up, but not that much, right? And from very low levels, so we're nowhere close to you know any any really worrying levels for most markets. The home builders are doing fairly well. Yeah, their margins have been hit, but from record high levels. So they're going back to, you know, kind of around average historical margins, which they're fine with. And so that's why these home builders are doing fairly well. Now, can that dynamic shift? Certainly, it can. But for now, they're in fairly good shape because they're not getting a lot of competition from the existing home market. So we still like Pulte. Our value is closer to $70 per share. It's at 54 now. I'm Justin Klein. I invite you to remember, uh, invite you to remember to follow Invest Talk on social media and then simply like and tag three friends on our 50 for 50 million post and you might win a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter for one year. We've already given away 20, two sets of 10 over the last two weeks, and we're doing three more sets this week, next week, and the week after to close out our 50 for 50 million uh, post and and and, and uh, giveaway. So if you want to sign up, you can head over to our socials and like and tag. Going to a break now, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Get ready for a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar, Value Investing, Positioning Your Portfolio for Profitability, Relative Price, and Dividend Payments. The Wealth Webinar will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios, providing real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow clients' wealth. The webinar will be anchored by KPP Financial CEO and InvestTalk host, Justin Klein, and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Be sure to tell your friends and family members it's free and you can register now at investtalk.com. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. go to Mike in Sunnyvale looking at key. Oh, hi, Justin. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Key Corp. Obviously one of the small Keycorp. regional yeah, banks. I, I've had this, uh, I've had a, uh, I've bought into it from like 15 to 22. And then I had, I had it for like years collecting the dividends. And I'm just wondering, should I, I was thinking like maybe 
average in by a little bit more because it never goes down this low. I don't, I don't know if, if that's just the sympathy that they went down with the market or, or are they in trouble? I don't think they're in trouble, but I just wanted to see your, your Yeah, I mean, it's definitely sympathy within uh, the regional banking space. And I, I think it's the, a lot of short sellers attacking some of these smaller names, worrying that they have similar problems. And, and here's the big difference between Silicon Valley Bank and a lot of the other uh, regional banks is that Silicon Valley Bank didn't, first off, they were an extraordinary amount of low yielding, very safe assets. And that's the issue here is that it's the opposite of what you would imagine. Everyone think you just go in safe assets and you're fine. Not true because you can lose money in duration. And that's, uh, that, that's what's happening. Uh, that's what happened in Silicon Valley Bank. They, they, they were holding their their uh, bonds that they were had big losses in at, at, at a held to maturity. So they weren't recognizing them until they had to sell them. And that's why the Fed kind of instituted this uh, new facility that allowed companies like Key Corp and other regional banks to basically turn those bonds that they are down in into full par value. So 100 when uh, they may be at 70 cents. Okay. And so that's the that's what's happening. Uh, that's what the Fed did. So uh, but most of these other banks, they are hedging their interest rate risk. So a lot depends on how much of a hedge, how much hedge they, they, they've done. You know, uh, Silicon Valley Bank didn't do really any, which is obviously terribly run. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting here at Silicon Valley Bank, the chief administrative officer used to work at Lehman. So that probably tells you a lot about uh, the risk, uh, the, the, the risk management uh, over there. Um, Key Corp, another a regional bank that is typically well run. Obviously, there's a lot of risk. And as long as they don't go bankrupt, this is probably a very good buying opportunity. But obviously, there's a lot of risk with what's happening uh, there. And you know, do they go and shut down more banks? I don't think they do. But that's certainly a risk. But Key Corp is a well run regional bank, I would imagine that their hedges are are pretty extensive uh, when it comes to interest rates. But you probably want to do a little work on that as well. So uh, take a look at that and, uh, certainly high risk, but probably worth it. All right. Thank you. No problem. Now here's a reminder. There are only 10 days left to register for the invest talk wealth webinar value investing, positioning your portfolio on profitability, relative price and dividend payments. Head over to investtalk.com and register. And now the invest talk phone lines are open for you. I'm waiting for your finance and investment questions right now at 888 chart. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point today looks into the story behind this question. What does the SVB crisis tell us about the Federal Reserve bank rate hikes? And you know, there's a lot of fallout from this weekend. And the big one is that. The Fed is likely to slow down because they've gotten to a point where they they broke major stuff, and this is what the Fed does all the time, right? They raise rates to a point where uh, it breaks breaks things. They were doing that a bit during in October when you had the problems in the UK and in Japan, and behind the scenes, the Fed did some things to improve liquidity. But when you have this staring your, yourself in, in the face. They're going to have to do more than simply 
than simply uh, do some machinations behind the scenes. They're going to have to pause. Uh, and the market's really pricing that in. As of Thursday, was it Wednesday, Thursday of last week, there was an 80% chance of a 50 basis point hike later this month. Now, we're pretty much in the 50-50 camp between a pause and a 25 basis point hike. Uh, I guess it's a little, little 65% 25 basis point hike. And I think that's probably what they'll do, but it will be the dovish hike you'll ever see. And it will be the last hike of this cycle. I think they would probably want to do it to try to keep some credibility. You're also going to have CPI numbers, I believe, tomorrow. And that may sway it one way or the other. But if you look at inflation, inflation peaked in June. Now, if you look at data year over year right now, it's going to show you know decent inflation because it's basing off of January, February of last year when inflation was still going up. But inflation peaked in June. If you look at a three-month basis, you're talking about less than 1% X uh, shelter, which is a very lagging uh, part of the CPI picture. So it's very clear if you're looking at more near-term base effects as opposed to one year ago base effects, then inflation is pretty much dead. It stopped going up for close to nine months now. And what you see from the reaction from the Fed over the weekend by backstopping all deposits, by creating this facility to deal with all these banks that have Bonds that are underwater, whether they're hedged or not, they have a place to turn those in and, and not have to forcibly sell them into a market when they're down 25%, 30%. They can go and turn those into the Fed, take get, get par value from them, and pay 5% on uh, for the privilege of doing that, but that's better than locking in a 25%, 30% loss immediately. Another message, though, from this whole weekend is that anything related to crypto is likely not going to be looked on favorably from regulators. Silvergate, Signature Bank, and Sil Silicon Valley Bank Corp, they were by far the most integrated and most supportive of the, the crypto space. And frankly, there's probably a lot of banks that the Fed could have shuttered. But I think they use this opportunity to shutter the ones that back that industry. I don't think it's a coincidence. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they pivot from a, a, a rhetoric standpoint, because they're certainly going to try to talk the market back into a level of comfortability and confidence in the system. And you can see what they're always going to turn to. And this is why I say everyone's fighting the last war of 08 and they think that that is the likely outcome when it comes to the next crisis. And I actually think it's the exact opposite. And to, uh, the, the, the COVID shutdowns and this just goes to show you that they're going to throw the kitchen sink at any deflationary problem that's what this is this is a deflationary impulse and they want to squash any of that 
if they have to decide between a banking crisis and and, and a deflationary problem, they're going or or inflation, they're going to pick inflation every single time. And this is also interesting time because we're in an environment where you know the old-fashioned bank run and that's really what this was can be done without anybody getting out of bed right you can hop on your phone transfer money from one bank to another and if your bank is poorly run like silicon valley bank corp deposits can leave very quickly they didn't have a lot of cds you know, clients and CDs or things that were uh, that were locked in for longer term. And so really what this is, is a duration mismatch. And that duration, duration mismatch can happen very quickly. And the move in interest rates today shows that the Fed better slow down and will slow down. And this is a good reason why you listen to the bond market. Remember the bond market, the, the, the really inverted yield curve? This is the bond market telling you that you know something's going to break relatively soon and within a year they're going to pivot to, to cuts and this is clearly the catalyst for that so that's what's happening and why we're if we're not at the end of the rate, rate hiking cycle very likely have one more hike left now the next invest stock we'll look in the story should you invest in stocks bonds or a four percent cd Steve's going to look at that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members? or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. building your financial future, but you must have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. 
So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. I'm Justin Klein, and I want to formally introduce the InvestTalk audience to a new member of the KPP Financial team, Luke Guerrero. Luke is now a KPP Financial Portfolio Manager. So welcome, Luke. Thanks, Justin. I'm excited to be here with you and all the InvestTalk listeners. Yeah, well... Why don't you tell us a bit about your background, you know, where you were born, where you raised, what schools did you attend, et cetera? Of course. I was born and raised in sunny Southern California, just outside of Los Angeles in a town called Simi Valley. And really after graduating high school, I wanted to try something a little different. So I decided to go back east to Cornell University. And let me tell you, it was very different in terms of not only culture, but weather. Uh, I think I saw an icicle for the first time and, and learned that lakes can freeze over. I still remember calling my parents to tell them that it was time for me to come home about two weeks after getting there. Well, lucky you survived the Arctic tundra that is the Northeast. Uh, but you, I'm sure you learned a lot, a challenging uh, Ivy League environment there. Uh, I mean, what do you think you learned the most, on the, at least on the investment side, the, the economic side, uh, when you were you know, in the Cornell uh, system? Yeah, well, going to Cornell, I think that was when I first learned I wanted to work in the financial sector. Early on in my life, both my parents being journalists, a lot of the discussion around the dinner table is mostly about world affairs rather than what was going on on MTV. So I started to study economics when I got to Cornell and started to do a lot of work in mathematics. And, and I pretty soon learned that the intersection of my childhood with the, the history and journalism and, and world events and economics and mathematics that I was studying in college, those two things really worked well together within the financial sector. So that's really why, the, why I first started getting interested in working and investing. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I am the same way. You know, I, I love politics and, and world events, and I always find it interesting. And uh, there's an always, always an intersect between what's happening around the world and the financial market. So it makes sense that you wanted to get in and be in it every day and uh, obviously uh, help people along the way. Now, your previous role was at Dimensional Advisors and a very, which is a very large mutual fund shop, if everyone doesn't know, and, and they have a bent towards uh, value investing. Uh, you were there for, what, seven years, right? So what do you think you really took away from, from that experience that, that helps you uh, succeed? Interestingly enough, you know, Dimensional is a quantitative shop, so a lot of it had to do with sorting securities based on various characteristics, value, profitability. But I think the one thing that hit me home the most was something that our CEO said the first day that I was there. And he said that investors give investment managers money, but it's not really them giving you their money. It's them giving you the money they earned by using their time working rather than doing things that they'd rather be doing. And in the long run, you can't give them that time back. But what you can do is safeguard and help grow their assets and show them that all that work was worth something. And I think that that's something that both you and I share is maintaining that trust with clients and doing what's best for clients. Yeah. And that's as, a, as now as an as a, as a advisor, right, being a fiduciary, uh, that's something that, that that's, that's a, a lesson I think you can, you can certainly uh, take and apply kind of in this new role. And I know before you were running uh, small cap uh, funds, ETFs uh, over there. Uh, and I'm sure that process of uh, sorting securities, finding securities, building portfolios, uh, and, and asset allocations, uh, certainly going to uh, apply here, right? Absolutely. I think that 
if I were to sum up my investment philosophy in one word, it would be holistic. I think that there are a lot of shops out there that do technical analysis, a lot of shops out there that do fundamental analysis, a lot of shops like Dimensional that do quantitative analysis. But I don't think any one thing should exist within an investment framework in isolation. I think bringing all those things to the table helps you structure and create and manage portfolios in a more beneficial way. Yeah. And that's what we try to t- teach on Invest Talk all the time is uh, the average investor, they try to simplify it down into one thing. And, and frankly, when you can bolt on different variables and kind of uh, line as many things up that are in your favor, the better chance you're going to have to succeed, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's touch on another aspect of your job here at KPP, which will be the role as Talk podcast contributor. And I know, I know that excites you. Uh, to talk to the audience, but tell tell me uh, tell me why you think uh, you're suited to you know talk to our audience and and uh, guide them. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that you and Steve have been doing for so many years is you're imparting your knowledge from your time within the investment management industry and with your exposure to markets and, and helping people, which goes back to what I mentioned about the thing that I really took away from Dimensional is being able to help people grow assets, live more comfortable lives. Uh, that's something that I'm really looking forward to doing, not just for the clients of KPP, but also the listeners of Invest Talk. Nice. Okay. Well, I know it's going to take some time to get you in the swing of things, but uh, we're going to tackle listener questions and uh, help you understand the workflow of the podcast. So I think it's going to be a, a fun journey. And keep in mind that the loyal uh, loyal listeners of Invest Talk contribute to the content of the podcast every day, and by virtue the stock and market process questions that they ask and live during the podcast production or anytime on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. And you know the number, right, Luke? I think so. It's 888-99-CHART, correct? You got it right. Well, I think this will be an exciting year of growth for KPP and, and us and uh, it's thousands of loyal listeners on Invest Talk. So thanks for letting the investors get to know you a bit. No, I definitely appreciate you taking the time and certainly people taking the time out of their day to listen to the podcast. I think that really resonates with our motto, independent thinking, shared success. Yes, and uh, that mindset has helped us surpass 50 million podcast downloads. And Steve and I thank all of you out there for your loyal listening. Well, that gives you a preview of our newest KP Financial team member, Luke Guerrero. Now let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Kevin calling from La Crescenta, California. Today I had a question about Westco International. Ticker is WCC. Yeah, I've been watching it and it's been like on a very uh, incline. Stock of the price has been going up dramatically over the past year and now it's at a 52 week high. I've been waiting for it to kind of fall back to pick up some shares, but it just hasn't. Wondering what your thoughts are on this company and what a good buy price might be for this. And the PE is still relatively low, it seems. 11, I don't know what what its long-term average is, but uh, it seems like it could still go up from here, but I kind of missed out just waiting for it to come back down. Thanks for your thoughts in advance and I'll look forward to listening to your answer on the show. Thank you. All right. Looking at Wesco international, this is an, this is an industrial distributor and it distributes electric 
electronic solutions, communications and security solutions, as well as utility and broadband solutions. It's pretty large. 74% of its sales are here in the U.S., but it does have global reach with operations in 50 different countries. So it's a, it's a distributor, and typically these type of businesses have low margins, but not this one. This operating margin right now is about 6.7%. Now that's a little bit higher than historic so historical numbers, which are around 4% uh, on, on operating margins. Return on equity right now is around 21% longer term that's closer to 10%. And so that's really the the worry here is how long can it stay uh, with this level of profitability? Now, maybe because there's less sources of the, the, the actual products that they're going to make higher margins going forward because they're able to actually source them. That's certainly a possibility, but they're, they're very profitable. It's a very good business. So I, once again, I would worry about a reversion to the mean, but analysts continue to upgrade earnings for this year and next year, which is a, a very good sign. No dividend yield, but that's not a problem for me because, once again, it's about focusing on the business at hand and how well they are running the business, and they've been doing that fairly well for a long time. It uh, looks like they have a good economic moat. The chart has pulled back, obviously, with this recent market volatility. And it's almost into some support right around 145. Now it's at 152. So you're, you're getting into that after it peaked out uh, around 178, 180 or so. And uh, it's pulled back to the 50-day moving average, which would be good support. So I think you're in that zone between that 140 and, and 150 range where it's at an uptrend. It's at good support. If you like the name, you think that this level of earnings can hold for an extended period of time. I'd give this a thumbs up. Uh, so I, I like what you're looking at. And I think that this is uh, a good risk versus reward down here at the support. Let's go to Don in San Jose. Wants to talk about banks. Oh, hi there. First time caller. Uh, really enjoy the show. Appreciate it. Question uh, for SVB uh, recent implosion. So if you have more than 250K and there's a buyer uh, for SVB, uh, what happened to that? Uh, you know that amount that above two fifty k. For what? What bank are you talking about? Um, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Um, well, they backstop the whole system. So no matter what amount you have above the two fifty, it, it it's you're not going to lose. They, they bailed out. Well, this is what they did. They didn't bail out these banks because the equity and bondholders are likely wiped out. Uh, but what they did kind of do is bail out the rest of the banking industry to kind of give them a, a lifeline. Um, and then they backstopped all deposits. So it kind of makes this 250000 mark pretty much irrelevant. They backstop everything unlimited. So you don't have to really, you don't have to worry because they don't want people to worry, right? Once you backstop it all, nobody's going to have any incentive to move their assets because it's just as protected at one bank as it is the other. So I know it. It seems scary, but you know they kind of did what they had to do. I always say the Fed is going to always do what they have to do, and they have to keep the banking industry solvent. They have to keep the Treasury solvent. These are the things that they have to do. They don't have to fight inflation. And so you don't have to worry, uh, no matter how much money you have at any bank uh, in the U.S. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for the call. Yeah, you know, this is the problem. This is... This is something the Fed wants to avoid is people worrying about their money in the bank. 
This is the main role of the Fed. I know everyone thinks of the Fed as this body that moves interest rates and the price of money. And that's something they've kind of taken over over the past few decades and trying to massage the economic cycle. But if you just look back at history, that's not really been a prudent way to manage an economy. First of all, it's a very blunt tool, interest rates. And it's very lagging. So, you know, they're, they're meeting every six weeks, but guess what? The economy evolves much slower than that. We've talked about it before. A, a rate hike takes six to 12 months to fully bleed into the economy. And so, but they're acting like it doesn't. And they've been doing this for 30, 40 years now. What the main goal of the Fed, though, is to backstop banks, avoid bank runs, be the lender of last resort, and this is, should be their main role. And they're actually pretty good at it. They're actually very good at it. The FDIC is very good at it. What they're not good at is trying to massage the economy. Because there's a lot of factors that go into the economy. From demographics, to geopolitics, to capital availability. Efficiency of the workforce. Immigration. There are tons of factors that go into how the economy evolves. And to say that you can really do a great job of managing that economy just simply through interest rate movements is not very credible. And it's just been shown that for many decades now. So this is just a reminder of both, of what the Fed is good at and what the Fed is not good at. Now, we've got an event coming up on Wednesday, March 22nd at 2 p.m. That's just, what, nine days away? It's going to come by fa- come up fast. And what this is, is our KPP Financial Wealth Webinar, Value Investing, Positioning Your Portfolio on Profitability, Relative Price, and Dividend Payments. It's free. It'll be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolio, giving you examples uh, with assessment tools that we use at KPP Financial every day to grow our clients' wealth. Mark your calendar. It's Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. It's free to register. Once again, time is running short, though, so head over to investtalk.com and tell your friends and family as well. Now, let's see if we can fit another question here from 888-99-CHART. Hello. We'd like to get your opinion on ASML. Thank you. Well, it's expensive. ASML, it has very good technology. It's going to be, their technology is going to continue to be in demand longer term when it comes to chip manufacturing capacity and infrastructure that's likely to be deployed here in the U.S. And that's a good long-term tailwind. Near term, however, there's now massive overcapacity within the space, meaning outside of you know, a few handful of projects here in the U.S., around the world, there isn't going to be a lot of new chip capacity being built on their technology because there's just too much capacity that was built up and people were over-consuming physical goods. And you can see that with earnings expectations for this year and next year, 
continuing to be downgraded. So until we see that that inflection in analysts' earnings estimates, I'm passing on ASML. But one to keep on your watch list. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen, Justin. Thank you again for all you guys do. Congratulations on your 50 million downloads. It's a fantastic listen every day and has really helped me make consistent, good investment choices. Question first on the more macro stuff. With regards to the Fed rates, are there any particular numbers or reports that you pay particular attention to that might dictate where the rates are going next? I know Justin mentioned the jobs reports is difficult to decipher exactly what's going on and whether there is a bit of a softening there. And finally, I have a company, GPK, that's a US-based um, packaging company. Um, Mid-cap seems to be growing the revenue year on year. And I just wanted to get your opinion as to whether that would be a good buy. Thank you very much for everything. And I look forward to the podcast. Now, in the former, uh, I look at a few things. A lot of people look at CPI when you're looking at inflation. I look at uh, the Fed's preferred measure, which is uh, PCE price index. And right now, that's at about 4.7%, a tick up in the month of February from January, but obviously uh, still on a, on a pretty strong uh, downtrend. So that's one thing I look at. I also look at the uh, the prices paid on the ISM reports. Yeah, the ISM manufacturing and uh, most uh, importantly, the services, because that's about 75% of the economy as a whole. And that is that 65.6, which is the lowest level since January of 2021. So it's continue to show uh, inflation coming down. So those are the things on the inflation front. Uh, obviously, the jobs number, I don't look at the headline number. I, I typically, I think that's a pretty poorly constructed uh, methodology and there's a lot of seasonality and things like that. So uh, it's it's more to do with uh, the leading indicators on the stocks. I've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. Uh, those uh, like ZipRecruiter, right? Uh, those type of companies that are in the uh, space where they're recruiting employee employees, they're making money off job posting, things like that. So that's typically a, a better leading indicator of what's happening in the job market. So that's what we kind of look at more than some big headline number. Now, when it came to your other question on GPK, this is graphic packaging holdings and paperboard packaging products for companies in the food, beverage, and household product industries. What I like about them is that they continue to increase their earnings consistently over time. And I love that. I love companies that are consistent. They're not making a, a bunch of money this year and then, then you know next year they're losing money and then they're going back to profit the year after, you know, it's just consistently grinding higher in, in profits. And it's not something uh, that's dramatic. It doesn't, it's not 50% a year, but it's a solid 
you know, low teens kind of uh, growth rate. And those are, are typically uh, the best investments overall. You know, the right now it is over earning a little bit, return equity is 26% long term, that's about 15%. But 15% is still very good. So I like this name, they do have a little bit of debt in their balance sheet, but not too bad in my mind, especially for the consistency of their business. You know, I think if their business is more volatile, I might worry about their, their debt, but because their profits remain steady, uh, I like it. It's trading about 8.4 times its uh, enterprise value to EBITDA, which over the long term, that's on the low end of where it typically trades. So I like I like that. So I'm going to give GPK a thumbs up. You know, you're not getting a big dividend, five or one point seven percent, but once again, it's about the quality of their business, and uh, I like their their business. So I'm giving this one a thumbs up. Well, I think that about does it for today. I'm going to close up shop. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. You can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And make sure to follow Invest Talk on social media channels like Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you might win a free year subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. We'll give away 10 more this week and 10 more following week and the week after as well. All you have to do is like and tag three friends in our 50 for 50 million post. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.